to the warning track near the wall, and he can't get it. Jeff McNeil with an RBI triple. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. The Mets gave us a little heart attack. They salvaged the last game of a very disappointing series against the Washington Nationals. There's a lot to cover. The young guys are hitting the old guys, not so much. Can we get a quality start? Who knows? I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly. Joining me is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, the Mets like like to make their fans panic, and their fans love to panic. Do we? Uh, do but we they love did salvage. <laughs> they came together for before a big... You do love it. Mets fans love it. They love Stockholm the Syndrome? <laughs> did you see what your boy Jeff Passan after uh, coming after you? Did you see what he said about Mets fans? What did he say? He says, "I love them, but they're the worst." Something along those lines. <laughs> it's an accurate. Every game is. I think. He says every game is the game seven of the World Series. It wouldn't so, happen any other way, though. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, it's passionate and it's unique and it's fun. So uh, you got to you got to love it. Yeah, the Mets lost two Game 7s this series, which is tough. Uh, I was at one of them with a whole crew of John Boy Media people. Thank you to everyone who said hey when we were there. I think there was like oh, nice. 20 of us or something, 15 or 20 of us, and we watched the Mets get stymied by Mackenzie Gore, who looked really, really good. Uh, Josiah Gray, too. The Nats have kind of a couple young studs there in the rotation that we're probably going to have to worry about for the next five years or something like that. Yep, a very... Uh... You know, it was. We'll talk about. It. I'll let you get in the recap, but then we'll we'll break it down after. We will definitely break it down in the recap right after I tell you about today's sponsor, which is again Lightbox Guys Lab Grown Diamonds. The Mets they didn't deliver something special for us this series, but you can deliver something special for someone you love in your life, and you can do it with Lightbox. Whether it's for Mother's Day, whether it's for an anniversary. Shout out my parents; they had their anniversary yesterday. My dad got a nice gift from my mom, but he probably should have used Lightbox to get an even better gift, and he could have used code SHAYSTATION10 for 10% off of his purchase. They're lab-grown diamonds, sparkly studs to brilliant necklaces. These gems are going to make your jaw drop, especially for the person you're giving it to, the special person in your life. Code SHAYSTATION10, S-H-E-A, STATION10, all one phrase. 10% off of your purchase. Don't want to miss out on this offer because where else are you going to get cheap lab-grown diamonds that look as good as they cost? Shout out to Lightbox for sponsoring us today and thank you to them for sponsoring us. And now let's dive into a recap. Jack's going to hit the music and post and I'm going to speed through these first two games because there's not a lot of good stuff to talk about. The Mets finally come home after a day off after that long West Coast trip where they impressed us and they immediately get the rug pulled out from under them in a crushing loss. Kybert Ruiz tags Jose Budo for a second inning solo home run. Budo once again allows plenty of base runners but gives the Mets a shot to win. He only allows two earned runs in four and two thirds innings. Six walks though on top of all that, but it was Josiah Gray, my new friend who came to the office and played ref guest and was such a wonderful dude, was a little mad at him for striking out nine Mets over six shutout innings and giving the Nats an easy 5 nothing win after they got some insurance. Mason Thompson looks really good. He's a stud in the Nats bullpen. Mets lose game one. They look to bounce back on Senga Day where I was there in kind of a cold, but kind of a nice evening game. Kodai Senga though, battles that large pitch count once again. Five innings pitched, two earned runs, but 
four walks and five hits, seven strikeouts. He was in and out of jams. That ERA is at 4.15. Can we get Senga to the sixth inning? We'll see, but he finally had a clean fifth inning, so I guess we'll take that. The Mets cut the lead in half after Escobar's triple with a Marte RBI single, but that'd be as many runs as they'd get because this was a sloppy game on the Mets' front. They commit as many errors three in this game as they did in their previous 24 games. It was sloppy all around, especially at the plate because Mackenzie Gore was stymieing the Mets. Ten strikeouts over six dominant innings. Jeff McNeil went two for three, but the rest of the lineup goes two for 29 with 14 strikeouts in a loss. And it's the first time the Mets lose four straight games in the Buck Showalter era. So a lot is on the line for this final game here. The Mets are risking getting swept by probably the worst team in the National League at home. That is a disaster, but Joey Lucchese's on the bump. He had a great start against the Giants. He loaded the bases in the first inning, but gets out of it unscathed. The Mets get their first lead of the series with a Mark Canna sacrifice fly. The Nats get it right back with an Alex Call solo home run. But then Brett Beatty comes to the rescue. He's been hitting a lot better recently. I've been liking what I'm seeing from his swings and his plate discipline. He crushes his first home run of the year in the fourth inning. Later on, Lindor gets a 3-0 swing to break his slump, a two-run double, and a 4-1 Mets lead. Joey Lucchese is Final line wasn't as great as you might think, but I thought he looked pretty good on the mound. Five and a third innings, three earned runs, three strikeouts, just the one home run on 90 pitches, but it was two inherited runners that were coming in from Tommy Hunter who took them on in the sixth inning. But the Mets got themselves some insurance. It was Lindor, Alonzo, and Vogelback with RBI hits. That's exactly who you want to see getting RBI hits. Alonzo himself snapped an 0 for 19 stretch with that RBI single. He still has the MLB RBI lead, even after all of that at 24. And just when we thought we we were going to get a nice, easy series victory at the very, very end here. The wheels fall off for the Mets bullpen in the eighth inning. Buck keeps Hunter on for a third inning. It doesn't pay off. He hits two batters and exits. Brooks Raley comes in. He surrenders a sacrifice fly. A double play ball is booted by Lindor, which is a very rare sight. And then it was another hit by pitch to keep the bases loaded. And then C.J. Abrams, who's supposed to be a future big piece of this Nationals team, crushes a lefty-lefty grand slam to give the Nats an 8-7 lead. The Mets are very much in danger of getting swept here, but luckily they're able to rally. The Nats decide to use Mason Thompson for a third straight day. Marte singles and steals a base before Alonzo doubles him home for the tying run. And then Jeff McNeil, who was pretty much the only hitter to have a great series, triples into deep right field to give the Mets a 9-8 lead. And luckily, David Robertson has been fantastic this season. He comes in for a perfect ninth inning and he gets two strikeouts to secure his fifth save. The Mets luckily win this one 9-8. A sigh of relief for Mets fans as we don't get swept. It was multi-hit games for Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, Vogelback, and Beatty in a nine-run route. Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez were kind of the stars of this last game. The Mets made a sweat, but they did not get swept. Good job. Good job on the recap. couple things. Uh, I think... Brooks Raley popped out to me. He struggled against lefties. They're hitting like 360 off of him. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a quick fix. I think he's got to throw his fastball in on lefties. They're diving out over that, that slider. Um, that Victor Robles hit by pitch that you were talking about, he stuck his elbow down. Oh, he, he did, did it in but the first game too. He did it in a very convincing way because he backs his body out, but he leans the elbow in. That's kind of a new strategy. Yep. Yeah, uh, that'll be – these are the only times when you hit a guy on purpose like a, this. Like if you're going to stick your elbow out, you're going to wear one of the ribs instead. Yeah. Um, just to make sure, you know, just to make sure that you're you're paying attention because that's 
Bush League, if you will. I was going to say bullshit, but Bush League <laughs> works better. Um, Joey Lucchese looked great. Tommy Hunter came in and gave up a, a couple of those inherited runners to make his run total to three. Um, but Lindor uh, in the next inning kind of has another error, which is unlike him on a double play ball. And they would have been out of it with a, what was a sack fly. And they would have had just no runs. Mm. Um, but overall, man, uh, Kodai Singa struggled again, had no idea where the ball was going and then figured it out and looked great the last two and a third innings and ran out of pitches. Um, and Jose Budo doesn't look like a confident pitcher right now. He's afraid to throw the ball on his own. Um, he gets the Braves, whose lineup is way scarier than the Nats lineup, even though um, the Nats beat him. Uh, but the, 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 the Braves are the real deal. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, Jerry, I'm going to give you a little piece of trivia here because I saw this stat and it kind of blew me away. Um, I want you to guess in how many games have the Mets played? They've played 26 games or 26. Yeah, 26 games. How many quality starts do you think the Mets have this year? One. You undersold them a little bit. They have four quality starts. That's the second lowest in baseball. What's the quality start? Six and the six worst, the worst quality start you could have is six and three. Yeah, yeah, and we got four of them. We have four. The Lucchese, uh, uh, Scherzer. Okay, I think two Scherzer, maybe. I think one Scherzer because he's only gone six one time this year. Oh, that's right. Sanga uh, has yeah, one. Scherzer it. has one. Lucchese has one, and then I forget the last one. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah, the the root of the problem. I mean, it's the bullpen. Not, it is. It is the root of the problem. Bullpen uh, still and the offense. The yeah. offense wasn't very consistent. Um, well, let's talk about Josiah Gray because he looked like the real deal, man. I didn't see it coming because of how poorly he had been pitching the last couple of years. His stuff didn't play well to me, I didn't think, but he this whole year he's been great. They were his first four starts. They had zero run support, like legitimately zero yes. runs. You know, we, we felt bad for DeGrom. This was even above that, yeah. uh, but he looked incredible. Mackenzie Gore, who came over in the Juan Soto trade, looks like he might be uh, might be a potential Cy Young candidate. Like that good, he made he messed up, and you could see it right away. He threw a changeup, I think his first and only changeup of the whole game mm. to uh, Starling Marte, who who crushed it for the only RBI. And he was, as soon as he threw it out of his hands, he was so mad at himself. Ruiz behind the dish uh, was angry, but those two looked incredible. Um, Hunter Harvey in their bullpen looks like throwing 100 with 91 mile hour splits. Mason Thompson, who, by the way, he threw three innings in the first game and then yeah. they brought him in Crazy. in the third game. Uh, no wonder he gave it up, dude. He's yeah. got to be hanging. He, he didn't throw a ton of pitches, but it's too. It's wild to, to do that to a guy. Um, when we were out in Oakland, you couldn't really – you could just tell that they were a crappy team. This team is not a very – the Nats were not a very good team, but you can see their future with Gray and Gore. And then Abrams looked pretty solid, great range defensively, got some pop. He also looks like he's about 13. <laughs> so you can see him grow coming into his own. Kyber mm. Ruiz behind the dish is a real deal. 
um, Stone Garrett crushing lefties that you can see their, their potential moving forward, uh, how they can have a winning formula. Um, yeah. So they may not be a problem this year, but uh, they, they might be one in the future. I mean, with how Juan Soto's playing currently, you know, it's fun to look back at that trade and think, okay, well, you know, the Nats aren't doing so poorly for themselves because, I mean, you know, Josiah Gray had 20 whiffs in six innings. That's an insane number. And Mackenzie Gore was not that much worse. I think he had 19. And the Mets, you know, they didn't look great at the plate, but I also think that these guys are very, very promising, especially, you know, Josiah Gray is only 25 years old. Mackenzie kind of showed it before he got injured with the Padres. Um, these are things to build on. I mean, the Nats lineup, you know, full of kind of no names and guys that are trying to find, you know, a second win in their career. But this is a nice pitching staff that this team has. I think I'm I'm willing to admit I underestimated them for sure. Uh, but this is still a series the Mets should win. I mean, in the first two games, he scored one run. They didn't capitalize on their opportunities. They didn't get great starting pitching, but they got enough. You know, both starters only gave up two earned runs each. And it was just uh, not coming through in the moments they needed to, you know, committing errors, especially in that second game. They looked sloppy. Uh, I think it was a West Coast hangover, but you can't blame it all on that. But I'm really glad to see them score nine runs uh, in the final game and, you know, kind of say, hey, we need to we need to win this game. They came out in the eighth inning. They had great at bats against Thompson, who clearly didn't have it after throwing three innings in that first game. Uh, That was a one they very much needed because the Braves probably should have swept four games from the Marlins, if not for A.J. Minter kind of randomly exploding in the ninth inning. They also came back the day before. Yeah. In the like eighth or ninth inning. So I mean they could have lost a couple more. Yeah. But uh Definitely. the the Mets offense was uh, a very worrying point. Um Starling Marte looked kind of out of sorts. Uh Pete Alonso looked out of sorts. Um the only guy that looked good was McNeil and Nimmo looked fine. Um it was worrisome but again it's a tip of the cap. Josiah Gray was great. Um as was McKenzie Gore. Those guys were elite swing and miss type stuff. But you got to pick good pitching if you're going to win in the playoffs. Like if this is your formula, you still, you know, they did very well, but you still got to win those games. Um, but I wasn't as worried as, you know, a majority of Mets fans that were panicking because sometimes like always good pitching always beats good hitting. Um, you got to get to their bullpen and they, they just didn't have it. But um I like what I saw in that in that last game, Joey Lucchese, dude. I didn't, to be honest. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be real. I think this is like the his stuff is real. If he can stay healthy because of coming off Tommy John, this is a number four. Yeah, a solid number four guy. He's got that competitive. He does have some dog in him. Like he's competitive. He's he's eager. I I love what I see. Kodai has to figure it out earlier like he he's got that competitive fever too because it's like once he gets into trouble he finally says you know what i don't want to think about anything i'm just going to get these guys out and he he does so i think he needs to get into that mentality early um yeah outside of that i think david robertson was so nice coming in he went fell 3-0 the ninth inning there and then came back with a huge couple of pitches just a perfect three two pitch a la Shohei Otani in the WBC he throws that cutter perfectly on the outside corner to get that first strikeout huge strikeout he showed some real emotion gave a good Mm -hmm. scream yep because that was it 
that shuts down. He gets that runner on with nobody on. It's a wild card. It's a coin flip after that. And so he he attacked one, two, three, ninth inning. A big salvage, a great day for for everybody at the dish. Like you said, Lindor, Alonso hitting the ball in the gap to right center. Um, McNeil looking great. Beatty, our boy, looking great. Alvarez, and I did a breakdown on the post game, but we didn't actually show it. But I love what I'm seeing from from Francisco Alvarez. There mm-hmm. is a video of him, and he's talking to Jose Buto. So O2, so this is the strike zone. He's setting up into righties, like way in, and like giving him a target. It's not necessarily how he's setting up, but that's that mental part where he's saying, Lucchese, you're up O2. Your target is way in. If you miss, miss in, get it in here. And then following that pitch, Lucchese, he said, all right, it's a curveball. And he kept like tapping the ground, like throw the ball down. If you bounce this, it's a strikeout. Like those are things from a catcher. As I, If I'm a pitcher, I'm watching him. And I'm like, this guy is aware of the situation. He's also um, called time a few times when the, the pitchers are running out of the pitch clock. And he'll just call time and walk out just being aware and he's starting to be patient at the dish and it's showing he's working counts. He's taking better swings. He's, he's making things happen. Um, I really like his development. He's like a little bit slower, but the patience is there. And I, I'm grateful and thankful that the Mets have let him just play uh, very, very good. And then again, Beatty, that was a, a hell of a game. Uh, he looks so confident at the dish so it's good yeah i mean if you're gonna take away if you're gonna take away anything from this series it's gonna be that the young kids they played well i mean alvarez i love about him because this is what the mets wanted they wanted alvarez to develop as a catcher they didn't want him to be a dh and it looks as though he's already maturing along really well at the major league level i know it's not a huge thing but i was really happy to see alvarez draw his first walk yesterday that was his first walk of the season uh, he had a great series. I mean, all things considered, he went two for seven, got the walk, had an extra base hit, scored a run. That's kind of what you want out of him at this point in his very young MLB career. Uh, with Beatty, he made all the fundamental plays. He hit great, especially the home run in the last game there. And the Mets, you know, the, he was getting his feet wet. They were easing him in. And now it looks like it might be time to go, especially with the big Brave series coming up where, you know, especially with Escobar kind of in this new role where he's playing one game of series, pinch hitting Escobar's playing better now too. He's been hitting a lot better. He's five for his last 18 double triple home run for RBI. So the Mets are finding themselves in a good situation at third base. They're finding themselves in a good situation at catcher with Alvarez playing a little bit more. We didn't see that much Tomas Nito uh, in this series. So things to like there for sure. Jeff McNeil hit great as well. Uh, But I think the biggest thing is that we saw it in the first two games. When Alonzo and Lindor don't go, the Mets typically don't go along with them. It's kind of a two-horse carrying the whole carriage here, and when those guys aren't hitting and taking bad at-bats, it's killing the lineup a little bit. Yeah, um, that's a fact. Alonzo's the only one hitting homers. That's something that we were worried about last year. Uh, It's showing its face again that they can't produce runs without Alonso Homer. Yeah. Um, but there's some positive signs. You talked about the two kids at the back, Alvarez and Beatty are sparking that offense because those guys get on base in front of the top of our order. Ooh, that's trouble. Yep. Uh, and then another, I wanted to mention Starling Marte got on base in the eighth 
stole a huge base that ended up being the the game tying RBI. Um, and then Alonso obviously doubles him in, and then McNeil hits a ball that's at his like at his chest that he keeps his hands in and barrels up. Uh, they figured it out, and this is a winning formula. It's sustainable, but they need better starting pitching. A game like Joey Lucchese, who was your eighth best starter, is still your number one after two turns through the the order. It's tough. Yeah. So. I mean, the Mets are doing what they usually do on offense. They're second in the league in walk rate. They're 10.7%, only behind the Dodgers. The weighted runs created plus is kind of in the middle of the pack. It's just the starting ERA is 21st in MLB, 4.85. Bullpen's been much better. They kind of had a hiccup this series, but the guys at the top, especially David Robertson, who you talked about before and sung his praises, 11 in the third innings this year, one earned run, 14 strikeouts to three walks. That is exactly what the Mets needed out of the back end of their bullpen. Adovino's been doing his thing, but the Mets have him on paternity list now, so not sure when he's going to be back. So it looks like Robertson's going to be pitching some big innings against the Braves. Yep. I wanted to mention, like, Singa hasn't been bad at all. He's giving the Mets a chance to win. He's throwing between, you know, basically five and two for the the most part. And so, like, Jose Buto went four and two-thirds, gave up only those two runs. Uh it's it's not as bad as it feels, but because nobody else is pitching great, it's heavy because you're hoping somebody starts to carry, you know, add add a little bit more so the bullpen doesn't have to pick it up. Very winnable ball games. The first two were winnable. They were in it the whole time. Uh, didn't look as great. They had chances in the in game two, uh, and then they dominated. Like they they blew it up in the middle. They had some weird runs and then that home that grand slam was a, a backbreaker but they bounced back answered right away picked up those two big to take the lead back and these guys are resilient they're going to battle they're professionals they're never out of any game um but this is a big series coming up yeah it's they a huge the braves the, the leaders yeah so do you want you got some notes here that i thought are you want to read those or yeah they're mostly like right around the corner Verlander is the big one because he starts his rehab assignment in Binghamton today. The, the Mets won't get him for this Braves series. They're hoping they get him when they go on the road after the Braves series for a series in Detroit, which is also kind of cool because, you know, Justin Verlander, Tigers legend there, uh, and then they'll come back home for the Rockies after that. So Verlander, hopefully, if he stays healthy and everything goes to plan, he'll get to ease in a little bit against some not-so-good teams because the Mets have an easier run of their schedule coming up with teams like the Reds on the horizon, the Rockies, like I mentioned before. And Scherzer, if the Mets play these three games coming up, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because they have a game Monday against the Braves as well, that means the 10 games is up. Scherzer can come back. He would start the Monday game. So hopefully the Mets are about a week away from Scherzer and Verlander taking two spots in this rotation. But it also leaves the question of, with Lucchese being great, two starts in a row, Senga giving the Mets a chance to win You know, for most of his starts, is it McGill and Peterson that are the guys that are going to get bumped here? Uh, I don't think anybody gets bumped. They're 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 down a guy. Yeah, and, and the answer to that would be Jose Budo, if anybody. Um, he just he just he's the the biggest easiest depth piece to go down and and get, gain some more confidence. Um, I don't think people understand that they're playing a man down with the the suspension. It's like you yeah. know in soccer you get a red card you're just a man short for the rest of it the fact that they can't replace them on the roster is weird to me i don't understand but um yeah they've been playing with the 25 man uh roster 
but Berliner's coming They're They're expecting this start today to be his only. Um, if it's not great, he'll, he'll be pushed back and it's not a big deal unless it's injury related. He just might not feel sharp because it's been so long. Um, but they're expecting him the next trip, you know, five, five days later for him to be making his Mets debut. Um, so you're, you're about to see your, your guys, your, your horses coming up. So that's, that's exciting. Yeah. And with the quality start notion and the ERA rank right now, the Mets need, even if it's for five innings, they need Justin Verlander to come out and dominate because that's what this bullpen needs. That's what this offense needs. And I think that's what Mets fans need to see because we're very, we're a fan base that's very, very used to seeing great starting pitching. It's been kind of a tailspin for me to kind of see every starter come out and struggle like this. I haven't experienced this in a really long time. Um, so Verlander coming back is, is a big note there. Hopefully things go well in Binghamton today. Hopefully this segment doesn't age poorly. Um, but the rest of the notes we have here are mostly about the hitters. And I kind of, I want to start with Daniel Vogelback because he actually got to play this series, which was a really nice sign. We didn't face too many lefties. We had uh, Gore in the middle game, but he got a pinch hit there. And when Vogelback has been starting, the numbers are good. I know a lot of people don't love a Vogelback at bat because there's a lot of takes, there's a lot of walks and stuff like that, and not a lot of home runs, which is what you expect out of the big guy. Uh, but he started five of his last six games in those starts. He's seven for 18, which is a 389 clip, a double, three RBI, and three walks. The big thing there is nine strikeouts for Dan Vogelback through those 18 at-bats. But I don't think he's someone to blame right now with these Mets offensive struggles. I agree. Uh, I, I understand the sentiment, though. Uh, it's They need power. DH is a power position historically, and they're not getting any from Daniel Vogelback. He's doing what he does. You know, he's getting on base. Um, and that if you take the power that Mark Canna, who you have down here, who's hit safely an eight of nine, doesn't uh, he's feel at like 290 it. With, no, it doesn't because he's looked very bad. Um, he's looked worse than what it is on paper. They're just singles, They're, we're just singling everything. Yep. Um, and so I think that's why everybody's kind of feeling the pressure because their starting rotation is doing all right. They're giving you five and two-ish, um, you know, sometimes five and four, and you're still capable of winning. The offense is collecting their hits, but they're not doing any damage. So it it's not as bad as it feels, but it feels worse when you're watching it because nothing is adding up. Until, yeah. you know, game three. But uh, I understand. Again, I like Vogelback. I think he's a good addition, but we do need power from somewhere. I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to push that upon him because I don't think he is that hitter, but they need it somewhere. And if, if they find it somewhere, I'm, I'm curious to see where they turn. Yeah, the Mets have a guy in Alonzo with the second most home runs in baseball at 10, but they're a bottom 10 team in home runs. They've only hit 27 this year. So Alonzo is responsible for over a third of that. And that's just, that's the recipe right now. And you can't put the pressure on Beatty and Alvarez to start hitting bombs because these guys need to ease in. And we're, we're really enjoying what we're seeing from them. It's those guys in the middle. I mean, Tommy Pham is hitless since April 16th. That's 12 days ago. He's 0 for 12. Vogelback has been hitting well, but he's not hitting home runs. And then Canna, like you said, the numbers look way better than how he's looked at the plate. He has a pair of doubles, but that's been kind of it over that stretch. So I don't know what exactly the answer is. It's not McNeil. I think the answer, what it comes down to, is Francisco Lindor. He's got to pick up 
that slack. I know that he had a good series at the end of things, his number line there, but with the error and the first two games and just not a lot of pop so far from him and a lot of strikeouts, even though it wasn't really a theme this series, uh, I think it, it that's the answer. And hopefully we can see that come together in a big Brave series. Yeah, Lindor is, it's weird. Like his overall numbers are good, but his strikeout numbers are like 15, 20% higher than his career average. So it's a little bit worrisome that he's got a lot of swing and miss, but he looks good at the plate to me. Like his eye test, we talked about Canna. The numbers don't match what we're, we're seeing. I think Lindor, his numbers don't match what we're seeing because I think he's hitting better than all those strikeouts. And I think once he starts to continue to put the bat onto the ball, that he'll be good. The, the second game, Mackenzie Gore was nasty, and then he faced Hunter Harvey. Uh, Blown up. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he got 91-mile-an-hour splitties. Like, you're going to strike out a lot of times on that. Yeah. That's that's filth, especially the first time you see him. Uh, I'm not worried about him. Um, yeah, I'm not worried about him defensively either. He made a couple of, like, transfer errors, which is sloppy. So yeah. I expect him to, to dial it back in. He did make a sick catch in no man's land running backwards. Um they just need to produce. I don't want to put all that pressure on Lindor to try to hit home runs because when he does that, he does swing and miss more, but he does need to hit home runs. Yeah. He needs to add, you know, those, the, that slugging um, and just hit the ball more and he'll be okay. We just need one, one other piece to kind of start thumping the ball. Yeah. And the, the weird thing about that is that, you know, he has four home runs in the year, but he also leads the national league in doubles right now. He has 11 doubles, uh, which is tied for most in Mets history to this point in just April alone. Um, so yeah, one piece needs to click. And I think that can kind of take us to the apple of our eye. Cause we had a few guys that had great hitting performances. And then once again, one starter who turned in a, a decent start. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm not sure exactly where I want to go with the apple of my eye. Um, because Joey Lucchese pitched well, his final line, it should have been one earned run, but yeah. uh, again, not worthy of an apple to me, five and a third. Uh, only three punchies. Um, I think I think I'm gonna go Jeff McNeil here for the apple of my eye. Very nice. Very deserving. Um, he's been the most consistent hitter after a semi cold start. Uh, not cold. He just came out on fire uh, on the road trip. Right. It was cold. He's he's on fire lately. So he was. He's hitting since since they went on the road. He's continued to hit at home. Uh, he was four for twelve with one run, that big triple with the game winning RBI, um, and he he had a walk. So he's still you know taking his walks when he, when he gives them, but he's putting the bat to the ball, um, flaring it and driving it when he needs it. So I really like what I've seen there. I'm curious if they don't get power if they're going to move him to left. Mm. and bring Mauricio to play second. I feel like that's why they're Mauricio's playing second base instead of left field because of how good and versatile Jeff McNeil is. But that's another reason why he's the apple of my eye this series because he can bounce back and forth. So Jeff McNeil, the apple of my eye. I really like what you brought up there at the end. One thing I want to say, because it's a fun note for Mauricio since you brought him up, uh, last night in his AAA game, uh, he hit four balls, each of them at least 102 miles per hour. 
uh, he went over four, which is, I think, hilarious. Because uh, that that's just you know, that's just baseball, you know. But he is smacking the ball, so that's something the Mets have to think about as they finally are dipping their toes into the positional versatility that he could offer. Uh, and McNeil's looked great everywhere he's played defensively. That's kind of par for the course. And you know, you weren't mincing words before when you said that he got off to a slow start on April fifteenth. McNeil was batting two twelve with a six forty eight OPS, and that's not Jeff McNeil. But after this little hot stretch that he's been on where he's got hits in seven of his last eight games, including five multi-games. He's back up to a 301 clip with a 140 OPS+. plus. That's the Jeff we like to see. Uh, I'm going to go a different direction with my Apple. I know it's not a huge sample size, but I just loved what I saw from him in the series. And Brett Beatty is going to get his first Apple from me here of the year. Uh, I was thinking Beatty or McNeil. I wanted to split up a little bit because I know we I doubled up on Lucchese. Were, I think I wanted I – wanted both of those guys to win. I think Jeff was an easy one, uh, but I'm so happy you picked Brett Beatty because I love what I see. He deserves it. I mean, he had to wait for his shot to come up. And even when he came up, he was getting split playing time, but this is really the first time we saw Beatty start a lot uh, in a series and get a lot of playing time. And he went four for seven, a run, a double, a homer, an RBI and two walks, which I love. He was not swinging at bad pitches. His last five games is batting 467, and it looks like he's really starting to get comfortable. Uh, he's got the team that he faced in his first major league game coming up next where he hit that home run off Jake Odorizzi. Uh, he's the first third baseman age 23 or younger with a three-hit game since good old friend Wilmer Flores did it back in 2013. Brett Beatty is special, man. He's going to be a big part of this Mets season if they're going to be successful. Uh, we've loved the Escobar-Beatty relationship, and I think they've both kind of prospered ever since Beatty came up. I think I, Escobar's been taking a lot better at-bats, and it's really great to see Beatty making the fundamental plays in the field, taking walks when he needs to. And then last night, we got to see the pop, which Beatty is perfectly capable of, and I think will come more fluidly as we see more of him. He gets the apple of my eye. I uh, had some big hits this series, and hopefully he gets some more big ones in the next series as well. Good point. I love it. Um, you mentioned Escobar since Beatty's been called up, and I love that note. I'm not I don't remember if you read this, but since Beatty's call up, Escobar, five for eighteen with four runs scored, a double, a triple, a homer, four RBI, and a walk in his new role. He's thriving since yeah. that pressure got kind of taken off him. I don't know if that's it. That might be unfair of me to even mention, but he, he was he's a good ball player still. To me, Brett Beatty plays. This is a big test for how they're going to deploy him um, because Max Fried is, I think, the most underrated pitcher in the game right now. You can say. has been for a couple of years because I, I like track record means a little bit more to me than what you're doing now. Uh, people don't understand how good he is, and he's lefty. I could see a scenario where they sit Brett Beatty um, and let Escobar play third. I think Escobar should bat, and I think Beatty should be at third. So if Escobar plays second and you have McNeil in left, or if Escobar DHs. That's what I was going to say. Maybe think about that. If you can't play Vogue and Fam is slumping, maybe play Escobar at DH. Yeah, and I think Beatty has earned the right to stay in against lefties because you don't want to platoon him all the time. Uh I think he plays today, and I, I feel like that momentum. He went three for three with a walk yesterday. Um, I would love to see him stay stay in the lineup today. I think that's a that's a big thing to mention because Beatty is coming off his best game so far, probably in his MLB career, three hits and a home run. 
Alvarez is coming off a great defensive game and also a great offensive game. I would really, really like to see both these guys in the lineup tonight against a lefty in a big first game of the series against the Braves, where they both kind of earned a start. It makes sense in my brain, so I really would like to see that. I completely agree with you, but there is one caveat to Francisco Alvarez is he took two uh, Jamer Candelario wax to the head uh, on a backswing, both really significantly like firm. Um, He might not play today just out of extra precaution for concussion like symptoms. Even if he's not feeling it, I could see a scenario where they sit him, but I agree with you. If, if all things being equal, they're both have earned the right, not just for Alvarez to get some reps back there and, and get some more ABs. He's he's looking better and better every day. And I think he's I think the team's a better team when he's on the field. I love I love Tomas Nito. I love what he brings to the to the team. I think he's gonna have a hell of a career. Um but this team is much more dynamic with what Francisco Alvarez's potential could be when he's in the lineup more often. Um, I hope he's okay, his brain. You know, I hope everything checks out. I I can see them sitting in, but definitely they both deserve to be regulars in this lineup. Definitely. And do you want to take us inside this whole series that's coming up? It's a big one. I do. The big bad Braves coming into town. Uh, This is their first matchup of 2023, and it's a weird one. It's a wraparound. So all the way through Monday, this is a four-game set. And game one starts out with two lefties. David Peterson, one and three with a 7.36, looking to solidify himself as the guy we know he is, going up against Max Fried, who's one and oh with a .6 ERA. He missed some time with that hamstring, but he looks to be Perfect, as our boy Peter Moylan says, he is locked in right now. Austin Riley versus uh, David Peterson is 8 for 16. Matt Olson, 2 for 8 with two homers against David Peterson. Uh, Jeff McNeil, 10 for 27 against Max Reed. That is amazing, a left-on-left matchup. Alonso also 9 for 32 with two home runs. And Mark Canna is 4 for 12 with two home runs against Max Freed. So I can one. see all those guys playing. Uh, Max Fried versus the Mets last year, three and two, 29 innings pitched with a 2.79 ERA, 25 strikeouts to six walks. He is very good and very good against the Mets. David Peterson versus the Braves last year, also very good. He was two and one in 16 and a third innings pitched with a 2.76 ERA, uh, K to walk of 22 to nine. That is matchup number one for tonight's game. Game two, Tyler McGill, who's three and one with a 3.29. He's also kind of looking to, to scratch his way. His numbers look good, but he's not missed many bats, not a lot of strikeouts, but he's been reliable. He's going up against another locked-in Brave starter, and Spencer Strider with a 3-0 and record and a 1.8 ERA. I think there's a lot of Mets in that lineup that want to take it to Strider. I think uh, the comments last year where they're, bad, they're BABIP and – they don't hit the ball hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Brandon Nimmo and Lindor are both five, four for nine with a homer against Strider. Uh, the Braves against Tyler McGill. Ozzie Albies, four for 13. Austin Riley, three for three, 13. Both homered off. Uh, and the Mets have hit Strider well in general, 14 and two-thirds with seven runs on 16 hits and eight walks. But Strider was dominant in his last start against uh, the Marlins. He went eight shutout innings, only two hits, zero walks. In 13 strikeouts, he was firing. That is game number two. 
Game three, the Sunday game, Jose Buto, 0-1 with a 2-7-9. He's looking to go and get us a quality start. That's 6-3. Uh, going against Charlie Morton, who's 3-2 with a 2-7-6. Mark Canna, uh, Eduardo Escobar, Lindor, McNeil, Fam, Vogie have all homered off Morton. Uh, Morton versus the Mets last year wasn't beautiful. He was 1-2 with 21 and two-thirds innings pitched with a 5 ERA. He did strike out a bunch. It was 26 Ks to eight walks, giving up five home runs. He was kind of a really good start or a really bad start against the Mets. Uh, Jose Buto has allowed 10 walks and nine hits in just nine and two-thirds innings, but he's been making pitches when he needs to. We'll look to see if he can attack the zone a little bit more and still get those big outs. That is game number three. And the wraparound game, game four, the big one, Max Scherzer in his return from suspension. He's 2-1 with a 3.72 ERA. He's going to be well-rested. He's going up against Bryce Elder, the uh, fifth starter for your Atlanta Braves. He's 2-0 with a 1.72 ERA. Peter Moylan says he's a solid number five type guy right now. Scherzer coming back since May 1st. Uh, he's currently riding an eight-inning scoreless streak over his last two starts. Uh, Elder is coming off his worst start of the year, though. He was five and a third with four earned runs, five hits, two walks, 3K. He gave up three big home runs. That is a must-win for Scherzer's return. I expect electricity in the crowd and in the lineup for Scherzer's return. That is your four-game wraparound set versus the Atlanta Braves. Well done, Jerry. A beefy four-game set. I had a lot of notes for you, and you crushed that. Beefy. Beefy. A uh, lot to take away from here. Loved what you said about the Scherzer start. I think I might go buy myself a ticket for that Monday game if all goes to plan and he's starting. Uh, the Mets are going to miss probably the worst starter in the Braves rotation this year so far. Kyle Wright, he's got an ERA near five. He will miss the Mets. Uh, first two games are big for me. Uh, I expect game three to kind of be a slugfest. The Mets hit Morton really well. Udo, I think he's going to face a really potent Braves lineup. He needs to make those pitches, like you said, but I expect that to be a high-scoring affair. It's going to come It's going to come down to what Peterson and McGill give you. Are they going to give you a chance to win these games. The Mets have faced Freed and Strider a lot, but they're great pitchers, and they're always going to give the Braves a decent chance to win, especially with how Freed has looked so far this year. Strider is coming off a monster outing against the Marlins. Uh, The Mets' bats look like they woke up in that last game, and we need the guys to go. McNeil needs to keep going. Alonzo needs to keep the bat awake after that skid, and I really need Mark Canna to hit well against Max Freed because I think that's going to be an X factor in that first game. Uh, the lineups are going to be interesting. I expect Beatty to get some decent playing time. Hopefully he gets the nod tonight. That'd be great. And hopefully things go to plan. So Max Scherzer can come out at the back end. Uh, is it is it uh, too fearful of me to say that I'd be really happy with the series split? No, I think that's realistic. Um, yeah. It's so early in the season. Uh, the Braves are at full strength and the Mets aren't. And the matchups pitching-wise are not favorable. It's at home. You don't want to lose three out of four. You want to split. Um, that's why Max Scherzer is a, a must-win game, I believe, because, you know, the first two or the first three games are you're hoping to get at least one out of there. Um, you just want to – you want to win a series, obviously, but the, the, it's so early again. You don't need to panic. This isn't a, a must-win anything in April. Um, but – you want to play well. Uh, you want to beat your rival because the fewer games, these mean more in in the matchup with the tiebreakers, as we learned last year. Um, but they are at full strength. We talked about it. There's a couple guys. Austin Riley looks incredible. Uh, but 
my guy that I'm watching is Ronald Acuna. Yeah. He is fully back from that knee surgery. Uh, he's got, you think he's hitting 360, uh, but he's also already got 13 stolen bases. Like he is fully dynamic and fully back. Danger at the top of that lineup. Um, your first pitch of the game better be locked in because he's he's going to be up there swinging. They have a very potent offense. Their team is littered with very talented players, both offensively, defensively, in the in the rotation. Their bullpen, though, has been pretty bad, to be honest. Um, yeah. they, they had a similar situation. Like, we lost, the Mets lost Diaz for the whole year. They lost Iglesias, who's still not there, their closer. And A.J. Minter, who's established himself as an elite back-of-the-bullpen arm, has been hittable. Um, Jordan Alvarez got to him a few times. He gave it up in the game against Miami where they came back. Uh, they look – that's their, if there is a weak point, it's their bullpen right now. Uh, that that's where they should take advantage. Try to get to these, use their, the typical Mets kind of formula of grinding out at bats, keeping the pitch count up, fighting pitches off and, and get to the bullpen. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, they had one other weak spot, which was left field. They had a 75 OPS plus combined from their left fielders, uh, which were Pilar, Marcelo Zuna, Eddie Rosario. That is no longer a weakness because today Michael Harris II was activated. He's going to center field. And Sam Hilliard, official. Who's been, yeah, official. And Sam Hilliard, who's been awesome for them, is going to move over to left field. Uh, so that's no longer a, a point of weakness. This is a, a fantastic lineup. It might be better than last year's. Uh, the Braves just find a way, man. They always find pieces to just plug and play. Uh, they're going to hit. And it's really going to come down to. The Mets starting pitching staff, which hasn't been great so far. These first three games, they're putting out three guys that have been, you know, shaky for most of it. McGill has been okay numbers-wise, but that last two starts weren't great. He's had to kind of gut it out. Um, it's going to come down to that, man. I think the Mets will hit. You know, they've seen these guys so much to the point that I think they'll they'll be able to put together good at-bats. It's just what can you get out of Peterson and McGill? What can you get? Peterson's the biggest question mark for me because he's looked – not like himself that slider is getting hit he's he's been nibbling in the zone which he's had spurts of in his career he just you know for a guy that i expected after seeing what he was capable of doing last year he's come out and been not not, not great to be honest and I, I i still believe in him as a pitcher i just think this is a big test for him early on to see if he can write that chip use that those competitive uses to to lock himself in big yeah, man. Big series. Biggest series of the year so far as the Mets try to close out a strong April. But then after this, I want I want to tell you what exactly the schedule is because I took a look it at it. It opens up. It opens and you don't want to be the schedule watch pod because the Mets did that, you know, had that rough September last year. But after this, you go to Detroit for three, you welcome the Rockies for three, and then you go to Cincinnati and Washington. So a nice 13 game stretch for the Mets to, you know, recoup, find themselves, get a little fat on wins. Because after that, Tampa Bay, Cleveland Guardians, the Cubs have been good, and then the Phillies. So these next three or so weeks are kind of pivotal for the trajectory of the Mets' first half altogether. And I'm hoping they can get at least a split at home against the Braves, kind of make a statement and, uh, you know, kick off the race that we saw so much of last year. I agree. And you mentioned that Cincinnati series. Uh, I will be in the booth for that that series. I'll be with my man, Steve Gelbs. Uh, he'll be doing play-by-play. Uh, Gary's taking that series off for, I don't know. I don't get to ask the 
the king, <laughs> why he's taking days off. I'm sure the Godfather. They'll, they'll make an announcement. Uh, but I'm excited. I think Heath might be there too. I'm not exactly sure. We're still kind of ironing things out. Um, but I will be my first spoof action of the year. So that's exciting. Yeah, we got just a glimpse of you guys in spring training, and it was wonderful. So I'm very happy for you as a friend and also, you know, as a professional in the industry, man. You're, you're moving up in the ranks, which is very nice. in the industry. I've gone corporate. <laughs> I see you wearing a suit on TV every night. That's the most corporate thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited to do it it's so fun uh plus i get to be you know in my home home state of ohio so uh i'm excited make sure you give steve big series now one. though big series now it's living the moment okay let's get them all right and that'll do it for this episode hopefully we come back to you guys on tuesday which is a weird day uh with a happy series recap not so much like this nat series Go Mets. Get a chip on your shoulder. Let's yeah. go Mets. Get a Have a great day, Jolly. Shout out to the Olives celebrating their anniversary. Um, the Olivers. But the, the head Olives of the house. Olive. Mama and Papa Olive. I don't know how many years. I probably shouldn't know that. It's a big number. You're, you've only been on this planet for 24 now, so you'll be okay. Exactly. Let's it's, go it's Mets. It's time to start figuring those numbers out. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. <laughs>